0: Center and coming in as Bloom. New at the that
1: And over at that flame bench, there's all kinds of excitement going on there. Score!
0: Is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on
2: Sportsnet 960
0: The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour on Flames Talk. It is Thursday, January 25th, with Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're coming at you from the Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, and welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com/slash-doors. Hello, Wes. Hey, buddy. Later on this hour, uh, Kevin Woodley of InGoal Magazine and NHL.com, our new Thursday regular, will uh, join us to uh, talk some Flames goaltending. Great and, dude, by uh, the way. Great dude. Uh, and and not like in terms of in-depth on goaltending, yeah. you're not going to find a better guy. So we'll talk a little Vladar. We'll talk a little Wolf. We'll talk a little Markstrom. Plus, I guess, Stuart Skinner, Demco. Ilya Samsonov, big game uh, as uh, the 1-0 win uh, for Toronto. Lots to talk about with Kevin Woodley later on this hour. But for just the second time in his NHL career, Johnny Gaudreau is playing a game at the Scotiabank Saddledome as a visitor. Uh, He's done it once before. He came here last year, got roundly booed till many Flames fans uh, were hurting their vocal cords. That was... Louder than Matthew Kachuk got booed. Mm-hmm. It was louder than Drew Doughty ever got booed. It was louder than Dion Fanuff ever got booed. Um he I I can't remember a guy getting the ire of you know yeah. eighteen, nineteen thousand people quite like that guy got last year, hey?
3: The other the other guy who gets it really good here now Adam is Adam Fox. Fox. Yes. but um, that, You
0: know what? That first time in the fall of 2021 when Adam Fox came here scored the goal, did the Hulk Hogan yeah. got the goal waved off and the Flames got pumped 7 saw The uh, Rangers got pumped 7-2. That might also have been one of the hotter uh, fans giving it to a player nights as well. Good I, point.
3: I should, have, uh, I should have done the proper research on this but now as it occurs to me didn't Johnny have a penalty shot Last year, that sounds
0: about right. Yeah,
3: and this place was like the booze erupted yeah. in this building.
0: Did he score on it?
3: No, no he, he didn't. That's yeah, right. Our That's buddy right. Logo just pulled up the video. So it's,
0: a, it's a, weird that he had it ready to go so quickly.
3: Yeah, he. I think he kind of knew what I was thinking about.
0: It's creepy, or really good. Either well, you, you give me, you tell me.
3: You know, let me get back to you. Yeah, I. Is it going to be the same tonight?
0: Um. Yeah, I think I. I don't know if it'll be as um, as red hot. I don't think the temperature will be as high. Not the temperature outside, but I don't think that the. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as red hot uh, as perhaps it was on. Um, that that first game. So. And I know, it's funny enough, because we just got a text from this gentleman. Uh, I know Eric Francis is Mm a-listening, and I know Eric Francis always says this. Like, if you were to inject Johnny Gaudreau with some truth serum, Francis always says, like, yeah, he probably would admit that he uh, shouldn't have left Calgary, should have re-signed with Calgary, or shouldn't have signed in Columbus. If you really got that truth serum or or he drank it down, what would Johnny Gaudreau really tell you yeah. would he regret signing with the blue jackets Would he regret leaving calgary um, i honestly don't know but and and i the blue jackets feel like they're moving in a decent direction that we need to take a look at Fantilli and Sillinger and worenski and kent johnson and you know they acquired provorov they've got marchenko even the goalie they're going to uh, play in net thursday night in uh, in daniel tarasov like they've got some really nice pieces but johnny went from game 5 of a Western Conference playoff series with the Edmonton Oilers to a team that is right now well out of playoff contention in his first two seasons. Well, let me veer off course
3: for one second here since we know Eric Francis is listening. And and I get that it's January right now, but I, I should say on the record it would be nice if our buddy Eric would have a little bit of that truth serum when you ask him on the first tee what his handicap is. <laughs>
0: Now, I think Eric's on his way in from the Don Hartman Sportsplex right now. I think back really
3: to Johnny. Important. I I I think he probably does regret it. And you know, Johnny was uh, was very relaxed today. Him and his wife are expecting their second child. Very excited, obviously, for that. I don't know that it's gone the way that Johnny Gaudreau expected or or certainly hoped that it would in Columbus. And you know, I I do think it's fair to wonder if he wishes he could go back and you know maybe have put his signature on that deal that felt very 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 close to being done at at the last sort of hour before free agency you're you're never going to get the truthful answer to that but i i think yeah there there is probably a little bit of regret there what do you think
0: i uh i i do I don't think he regrets not signing in Calgary. And the only reason I say that, or maybe that that decision in a bubble, the only reason I say that is just the the way that it's been explained to me, especially since Johnny's decision has been made and since he's now got a season, almost two full seasons in Columbus under his belt, is that it kind of came down to the they were ready to sign and they had the deal eight times, ten and a half. They were ready to come back to Calgary and it came down to here it is. The deal's on the table. What does your gut say? Are you and when it was time for the gut to make the call, he said, nah, "I, I just I think it's better to be closer to home." Yeah. And and so I don't think he regrets that decision, but maybe regrets the Blue Jackets being the choice. And yeah, maybe that and maybe changes. that's a good way to maybe put that it. changes in two years. Maybe that changes in four years. I don't know. But, I mean, right now it's going to be two years clearly out of the playoffs for, for Johnny, and he went from scoring one of the biggest goals in franchise history to the following season playing with, with a team that had no shot of making it, right? Yeah. Now
3: it's trending towards being two years out of the playoffs in Calgary since also jo- Johnny Gaudreau left. And so, you know, I don't think this is a, a guy I, – well, I know this isn't a guy watching his old team – having just gone to the Stanley Cup final or something like that. I think, you know, maybe if Sean Monaghan was still here, it'd be a little bit different. I, I'm not sure Johnny Gaudreau is kicking himself saying, oh, geez, I really messed that up. I should have stayed. I, I, I like the way you put it. I Maybe he regrets the Columbus part more than the leaving Calgary part. I think, Johnny, the the family man, is certainly happy to be closer to family, friends, all that Babysitters yeah. um, But he just speaks So highly of his time Here in Calgary
0: He does We're going to hear from him In just a second But uh, You do wonder How different things Would have been Had Johnny signed Had that Had that gut call Not been made And he said Hey Eight times ten and a half Are you ready to sign it And I said Yep let's do it And it happens And he's back the next year Like is Matthew Kachuk Still here I don't think so I still think that was Happening period but does it maybe change who Matthew Chuck's playing for does does the Carolina deal end up getting made, and they do take back a first round pick and and Natchez and because they're keeping Johnny i I don't know these are all you, you never you never know it's all speculative and it's all right? kind of changing history type conversation.
3: Are they more hesitant to trade Sean Monahan?
0: Yeah do they, they keep Sean one of yeah.
3: Johnny's closest I shouldn't say one of Johnny's best friend. At least Johnny's best friend on the Flames roster for all those years and yep. so you know is he still here and and does that then mean you don't give up a first round pick and does that then mean you don't sign Nazem Kadri it it's not it's not crazy to think the Flames roster could look a whole lot different if that didn't if that decision unfolds differently
0: Let's hear from Johnny Gaudreau. He spoke inside the Blue Jackets locker room on
1: Thursday morning. How, where are you at with your game, John? How do you feel about the way you're playing individually right now? And then as yeah. a group.
2: Yeah, start of season was a little bit slow for me. Um, you know, I think uh, our whole team kind of... Uh, it was a rough start there because, you know, we didn't know who our coach was, you know. And then we had to jump in with with Pazzi right off the start there. We had three, four days, three days before training camp, so... Um, But, you know, we're, we're getting better as a team. We're a young team, and uh, we're a fast team. And uh, when we play the right way um, and play hard and play fast, uh, we've played with some pretty good teams and been some pretty good teams. So uh, it's exciting.
1: Do you like the direction you are heading in?
2: Yeah, yeah. Other than my slow start there, um, you know, I feel good about my game right now. And, um, you know, playing with uh, Cole Sillinger and, Chenikov, two uh, you know fast players, uh, you know great shots, both of them, and uh, it's been fun working with them for the past you know week here.
1: Not to get sentimental or sappy, but do you reflect a little bit back uh, when you come in here? And we were up at Wing Sport yesterday, kind of where yeah. it all began. Do you do you think back, or is that too far in the rear mirror?
2: No, I, always, I mean I always think back when I come here. It was uh, I spent ten years here with the Flames. I was part of the organization since 2011. I think I got drafted. Um, and uh, just a lot of special times, special memories, a lot of great friends, and, um, you know, uh, not not very many bad memories other than losing in playoffs or something like that, you know. So, um, you know, always, you know, relish this opportunity to come back here and uh, think about all the great times we've had here. Who was
1: the best, uh, maybe you had a text or somebody who gave you a shot or a chirp mm-hmm. when you came back it was there... Missouri?
2: Um, from there to Yeah. Oh, I mean, normal culprits uh, Mangy. Manji. Um, Talked to Hanny a little bit, so. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always fun playing against those guys. You know, I was really close with a lot of the guys that are on their team, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's exciting to, to get to see them play and uh, play against them. It feels like the temperature is maybe just a little lower compared to when yeah. you came back last year. So if it is a nicer yeah. kind of come in. Oh and... uh, yeah, I heard I've just missed the cold weather, so that's uh, <laughs> that's nice. Um, but yeah, yeah, obviously, like you said, I mean, um, you know, I like me- just brings back memories, you know, of, you know, freezing cold weather, and then guess what? You're wearing shorts the next day with a little chinooks. So, um, you know, it's just uh, it's great. I caught it on the back end of the the, the nice part of the weather.
3: Do you, do you find you're you're different on these teams in Calgary? you were the young kid, and you had a lot of veterans. Now that you're in that spot in Columbus, like, are you this rah vocal guy in the room, or how does Johnny Gaudreau lead or try to set an example?
2: no nah, no nah, I, I don't talk too, too much um you know i try to lead by example on the ice you know off the ice uh in the weight room gym room stuff like that you know i'm trying to get a lot better at that and we do have a super young team so um it's important to you know i remember i was in their shoes not not too long ago and uh you know, had a lot of guys that i looked up to and set really good role models and examples for for myself when i was here so i just try to Try to follow in their footsteps, and uh, because, like, like you said, we do have a super young team, and uh, you know, um, it's exciting to see these guys play and and work every day, and uh, they're super skilled, so it's great. Is so, it
1: hard to believe uh, when you and again on this reflection road? But is it hard to believe that you're this far into your career? You talk about yeah. you know you're surrounded by youth, so you probably feel as young as they are. But is yeah. it kind of hard to believe that you're this far into your NHL career and you yeah. are kind of the elder statesman?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's it's crazy. Um, I like I said. Um, I remember when I was younger, all the guys saying, enjoy it right now. Cause it goes by super fast and, and it does. So, um, you know, try to let the guy, those guys, the young guys on our team know, it goes by fast and enjoy it. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a long ride. Uh, um, <laughs> do you have chat? Probably every day. Really? I yeah. Just text back and forth. Yeah. Text back and forth. I think our wives talk more than we do, but, um, yeah, we'll play, like, stupid games on our phones against each other every single day <laughs> just talk to each other, Snapchat each other. Just every day I talk to him. So.
0: There you go. That's uh, Johnny Gaudreau as he spoke with us on Thursday morning inside the yeah. Columbus uh, Columbus locker room. It was actually, uh, as, as I was standing there uh, right beside him, I was like, huh. And Johnny, it's like he's no longer that uh, that kid that came in as a member of the Flames, which, you know – he he wasn't when he left here either, but I think you realize it more when he comes back and it's it's been a year and a half or so since he's left and he comes back for a second time, you really realize like, yeah, it's that's not the same that's not the same young Johnny Gaudreau. Like that's a guy who has has played hundreds and hundreds of NHL games, yeah. and has made a life changing decision and has experienced Calgary and is now playing in Columbus. It's um it's yeah. thirty now. Yeah, It's crazy to think.
3: Yeah, it's wild, isn't
0: it? Soon to have his second kid, as you mentioned, with Meredith. Expecting
3: his second child, you know, speaking about the veteran leader that he wants to be for a young Blue Jackets team, some great insights. I know we played in the the previous segment on Oliver Shillington. Nice shout-out to Chinooks.
0: Yeah, lot to unpack there. He he, he knows his Calgary's. So. Yeah, uh, let's read a few texts. Nine sixty, nine sixty. Mike writes: Honestly, I still miss Johnny. Every shift was must see, where he could go end to end or make all kinds of nifty plays and make his line mates better. The Flames badly miss a guy who can create something from nothing. The truth is, this is on Brad Treliving for not signing him in 2021. Brad had a history of making bad decisions with contracts, which has led to all kinds of bad deals, buyouts, and etc. I I do think in hindsight that is one of the the biggest um, mistakes in in this scenario. I, I believe that the Flames and Johnny were very close, like imminent close in the fall of 2021 just prior to the beginning of the season. It didn't get done. I don't know exactly why, but I, I believe the Flames kind of walked away from it. Um, and Johnny then went and, and decided to, okay, then we're not going to talk contract during the season. And obviously went and had 115 points that year. Yeah. I, I do think that's fair to say. That was a, a miscalculation from, from Brad to living in the Flames.
3: 115 points is a pretty good negotiating tactic, yeah, that,
0: isn't it? That works all right. All right. Yeah, I right. I think I think it's all right, perfectly. All right, all right.
3: I think it's perfectly fair to – to look back on the sort of what-if of that scenario.
0: Uh, This reads, Pat, why do you think Kachuk still leaves if Johnny stayed? My thoughts are Kachuk and Daryl would still be here. Don't know about Daryl, but um, I think Kachuk was – my my understanding is – Kachuk was kind of out the door period when he had that leverage um, and had they signed him to a longer deal when they signed him to the three times seven and a half was I think a seven or seven and a half either way um, when they signed him to that three year deal in the fall of 2021 uh, had that been a six which I think is the max they would have been able to do on him then then it's a different story but they only signed him to a three and so I, I, I think he was going to be moving on uh, regardless uh, in that situation. No, I
3: agree with your hunch on that one. I I don't think Johnny Gaudreau's decision changed Matthew Kachuk's way of thinking at all. In fact, I, I think Matthew's mind was probably made up before Johnny informed the Flames he was going to free agency and, and ultimately Columbus.
0: Uh, this reads, The domino effect of Johnny staying changes the whole trajectory of the franchise. Having a hard time thinking that Huberto was included in the Kachuk trade, and you've got to wonder if Kadri's even part of the equation if Johnny sticks around. Maybe even Matthew stays, but I think this franchise looks very different if Johnny sticks around, even if Matthew didn't. Um, and this says uh, that... Uh, his uh, this is from Wedley that uh, Johnny was booed louder than DJ Powerplay getting booed for not playing ATBs around the world. I don't think I've ever played that song in my DJ days. And you
3: were like you were never booed, were you?
0: I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know if I was always a number one crowd. What blazer. was your
3: What was your biggest gig?
0: Coyotes did a little bit of time there. That was fun. Yeah, that's you know? impressive. That was a little fun.
3: Um, from but... from DJing Coyotes to being retweeted today by Elliot Friedman like
0: you've seen some things. seen man. some things.
3: <laughs> um, I'm going to update your Wikipedia at the first intermission tonight. Yeah, you should. <laughs>
0: You're going to have to make it first. <laughs> you, can, you can piggyback off of Derek Wills' page on Wikipedia. Um, I don't know if he has one either, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think that usually broadcasters don't have one unless they're Jim Nance or yeah. Know. Those those level of broadcasters are Logan Gordon. Those are the types that have the Wikipedia pages. Um, let's uh, let's react to the news of the day from a flame standpoint. We did uh, we did touch on it in the last hour on the roundtable with Wilsey, uh, but Adam Rzecica and Nick D Simone on this Thursday claimed on waivers, which was a st- I, I was not expecting it when I saw Elliott tweet out that Arizona had been. The team that claims Rizic on waivers. I'm like, okay, you know, there's yeah. a pretty decent chance that Rizicka was going to get claimed, but then yeah. ten seconds later, Dee Simone to New Jersey. I, I was not expecting that one, and that's two. Uh, that's two players no longer with the Flames on this Thursday.
3: Yeah, uh, the the first one made perfect sense, I suppose. Right, uh, a guy with some untapped potential in Adam Rzichka, uh notorious uh, waiver collector in the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think it was su- a surprise to see that one. And, you know, the second one, Nick Simone being picked up by the New Jersey Devils, is really sort of a, a nod to what was a cool story we watched unfold here in Calgary. A guy who, at the age of 29, capitalized on an opportunity to finally show that he could be... Uh, useful depth defender at the NHL level and you know Nick DeSimone's not gonna wind up in the silver stick club and he's never gonna be on a top pairing or anything like that but this was a a really neat story for me anyways to cover over the past couple months this is a guy who at almost 30 years old finally got a chance to sort of live that dream that he's been chasing for a long time you talk to anybody around the Calgary Wranglers and when I say anybody, I mean specifically the players. They adored Nick DeSimone, and yeah. they're probably going to feel that loss even more than the the Flames would be. You know that if this Wranglers team is going to stick around near the top of the Pacific Division, they're probably getting Nick DeSimone back at some point. Yeah, and so yeah. that one hurts the the organization from a depth perspective. But uh, good luck to him.
0: And and New Jersey needs defensive depth. They've got some There's, injuries. They've got et cetera. a ton of injuries back there. So, yeah, I uh, I was I was surprised by that. And I I bet you Brad Paschal um, and and Trent Cole maybe uh, dropped a couple of expletives mm-hmm. when uh, when they got the news that Nick's going to be New Jersey bound. Um, it does open up some roster space. It does open up. Uh, you know, good chunk of almost 1.6 million in cap space for the Flames. Not like we're expecting this to be a cap team or anything like that for the next little bit, but it does give them just a little bit more flexibility um, if they are looking to uh, if they're looking to take on some bad contracts, weaponize cap space, if that's the term you want to use. Um, so, you know, in in that respect, um, there there is uh, there there's some positive to this move as well. I don't think they're surprised on Ruzitchka. I do think they are surprised on D Simone. They had to go D Simone
2: uh,
0: or, or one of them, D Simone, Osterley, Gilbert, one of their bottom pair defensemen to open up the LTIR spot coming off of LTIR for Oliver Shillington. I just don't know if they were necessarily expecting for whoever they decided to go with in this came, in this case D Simone, to be claimed by the Devils. But that is your uh, roster news on this Thursday. As well.
3: Yeah, it doesn't leave a lot of right-handed shots anywhere in the organization on the blue line, does it? No, that is. An I area mean, you've that... got two on your top pairing right now, but
0: and you've got three in your top four, correct? But then, really, guys that are NHL possibilities, there aren't any other right shots.
3: No, Mark is Mark Pesek a righty or a lefty? I don't recall.
0: I believe he's a left shot as well. Yeah,
3: I remember looking at that. Like it's it's possible that leaves. Brady Lyle as the next right-hander on your depth chart? I'm just yeah. looking now. Pesic is a righty, but oh, he is a righty? The, okay. the point still stands.
0: I thought he was a lefty for yeah. some reason. Well, uh, I, uh, I stand corrected.
3: Hey, you had a 50% chance. I
0: did. Uh, Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio is where everything is coming at you from on this uh, Thursday program. Uh, Wes and Pat here at the Scotiabank Saddledome, Cam and Shan uh, holding down the fort downtown. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com.
3: Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: Calgary. All right, time to go inside hockey on this Thursday for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter, with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. It's uh, Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson from the Scotia Bank Saddledome on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk and very happy to uh, now make official on Thursdays here on Flames Talk. Uh, we'll be going inside hockey and chatting with Kevin Woodley, our uh, brand new regular goaltending analyst from InGoal Magazine and NHL.com. And uh, Kevin joins us on the program right now. Mr. Woodley, It's great to have you back, and it's great to have you on board. How are we doing?
4: We're good. We're good out here, although uh, I'm going to throw a caveat out here at the beginning. Thanks to uh, some idiot who ran into a power pole and knocked a power line over Highway 99. I spent a good chunk of my day sitting, basically not moving anywhere, like like literally almost two hours not going anywhere. So I was a little behind on the video work I was hoping to get done, sort of breaking down a little more footage as I play catch-up on Flames goalies in anticipation of this weekly hit. But we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: The uh, that and that highway 99 that's a uh, that's an awful road to drive when there's no people hitting power lines, right?
4: Yeah, you know what? Like, when it gets sunny in the spring, although I, you know, let's be honest with the Canucks over the last 10 years, I haven't driven it much in the spring because usually I'm driving it <laughs> on my way into work. Um, <laughs> it's a very pretty drive, to be honest. I do, it's not a bad commute, but on a day like today where we're into. You know, I, I, it's been gray and miserable and, and all the bad things about Vancouver weather in the winter for a while here. And I literally got into a spot where I could not go back. I could not U-turn. I could not move forward. So I sat. So, Yeah. It was not a fun one, but hey, hey, we're 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 talking goaltending, and I'm ready to go and fired up for this, and can't wait to join you guys on a weekly basis.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, let's let's uh, let's dive in and and start start with the Flames uh, because Jacob Markstrom missed a week. He's uh, back. He'll get his second start against Columbus since returning. But you know, last week it was all Dan Vladar, and uh, he ended up going one and two in his three starts. But you know, from our vantage point last week, and and just overall, really feels like. Like, like Dan's gotten his game back to a higher level after maybe a not-so-great to the st- start to the season. I'm just curious as to what you've observed and, and what uh, you've tracked when it comes to Vladar's game.
4: It's a lot better, um, you know, since mid-November. And, and it was kind of tough, like, not watching this closely at the start of the season. Um, you know, you're sort of a little more at the mercy of the numbers, as opposed to, you know, like Wes gets to see him every night, right? You guys get to watch him on a nightly basis, practice every day. So, you know, he probably have some observations that may or may not match some of the numbers, but they were ugly early on to the point where I wondered aloud on Twitter, you know, given how Wolf was playing, you know, how much longer could they continue to, to ignore that opportunity? And, you know, sure enough, they gave him a chance and there's some adjustments that probably need to come for Dustin Wolf. And in the meantime, you have to give Ladar a ton of credit for, um, it's kind of turning his season around. Like his numbers since mid November are grayed out quite well. Um, they're, you know, like adjusted save percentage because it's small, a smaller sample. We always talk about goals saved above expected, and Jacob Markstrom right now second in the NHL in that category. Um, but for Vladar in a smaller sample, I look at adjusted save percentage, which is how is he on a sort of more of a shot by shot basis relative to the environment. And, you know, since mid November to now, which is a pretty good sample size for him he's plus 1.7%. So he's playing well above his expected save percentage. Like that's that's 15th in the league. Like that's up there, you know, alongside some guys who are having pretty good seasons over the last two months right there with Linus Almark, Jeremy Swayman and UC Sarros. Um, you know, not far behind ironically, Stuart Skinner. Since November 16 is plus 1.9%. So it gives you a little bit of perspective now what you're not going to see in Calgary or what somebody else from the outside is not going to see when they look at his raw numbers, those aren't going to look as pretty. Because the other part of this formula is the environment. And his expected save percentage in that stretch is 866. So obviously really low. And that kind of kind of matches what we're seeing from Markstrom on the season, um, you know, in the, in the low 870s. It's been a tough defensive goal uh, for the Flames and for the goalies behind them. And I think that's why maybe some of the recognition of how good they've actually been doesn't necessarily follow unless you're watching them on a night-in-night-out basis like you guys are.
0: So on on the uh, on the Vladar front, and I, I'm curious now that you you give us that breakdown, like, and, and there's a lot of talk about moving a goaltender out and, and making room on the NHL roster for Dustin Wolf. Like, is is Vladar the type of guy that that should be coveted by another team who's looking for maybe that that one B type guy?
4: Coveted becomes tougher. Um, because there are other guys. Like like when I look at the list, you know, uh, of guys who, you know, maybe are under the radar elsewhere that are having sort of good hidden seasons that might be available at the deadline, um there's a few names that when I look at the adjusted numbers are higher. And and I think as I just mentioned, like it reminds me a little bit of Eric Comrie. Eric Comrie clears waivers easily in Buffalo because he's got an eight sixty three say percentage. But only a handful of teams, sadly, are aware that he has an expected say percentage of 850, like just shockingly low, because of what he was facing every time he got in net in Buffalo. And so I think it's a lot harder for GMs to justify moves when the raw numbers aren't pretty. And there, you, so you're going to have to find somebody who does a deeper dive, team, and they don't all do it. They don't all have clear sight. They don't all sort of dig into this degree. Um, who understands that his performance uh, is, is a lot better than maybe the raw numbers. Say and, and that becomes a riskier proposition, whether you're a goalie coach recommending it or a general manager making that move, because the public only sees the latter. So um, I don't know about Coveted, but he certainly played his way into a guy who should be a consideration for other teams, if indeed he's still on the market. And, um, you know, is it, is it as sexy as Jacob Markstrom, who, like I said, on this season has been unbelievable and, and arguably should be in a Vesna Trophy conversation at this point? You know, obviously not. But at the very least, Dan Bladar over the last couple of months should have played his way back into, you know, at least strong consideration category for some of these teams. And again, the 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 sort of other part of that is the price tag is obviously lower.
3: Kevin, I, I'm curious, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you opined on social media earlier in the season that uh, it was time for, or perhaps time for the Flames to create a spot for Dustin Wolf? How, how much longer could they go on with Vladar, as you said, with his current numbers? do you, Has your opinion on Wolf's situation changed at all? Like, do you think this is a guy who needs to be at the NHL level?
4: Yeah, th- that's a tough one. And when, I, when I said that, it was more because Wolf was tearing it up in the American League. And, and like I said, early in the year, all these numbers that I say are really good for Dan Vladar, they weren't, right? Like, and, and part of that, and you know, this is, again, as an outsider at the time and, and not paying as close attention – You know, I was paying more attention in Edmonton. I knew they'd made system changes. And this is one thing to understand. Um, You know, when Calgary changes things in the defensive zone and everybody has to get used to different reads, what a goaltender reads off of. And and we do these weekly sit-downs with NHL goalies where we're reviewing video with them at in goal and they're walking us through their saves. Like a lot of it is, yeah, like the handedness of the shooter and what he's showing you. Has he opened his hips? Is his blade closed? Is he passing or shooting? Where are his pass options? And all these like the amount of detail these guys process in real time to come up with a decision on depth in the crease or what post play they're going to use or what save selection they're going to use. It, it's almost mind-blowing. But a massive part of it, and this is the one part that was really eye-opening for me over the you know past three or four years of doing this with, with all this video work, is how often the answer isn't isn't not just about what the offense is doing, but but even is is more so about what your defense is doing. So when you make system changes and everybody is trying to figure out what they should do and when to a certain degree, the goalie is trying to read off of that. And if everybody else is still getting comfortable, imagine being the guy behind that just trying to figure out. How much do I trust these five guys to be where they're supposed to be? So you know, maybe some of the the tougher environment and some of the tougher starts for these guys might be reflected by how much harder it is to make a read when everybody else is trying to learn the same thing you are and get on the same page. Uh, And Vladar's numbers weren't great earlier. They just weren't. Um, And and Wolf was great. At the end of the day, I've always believed that Dustin Wolf's going to be an NHL goaltender. I think there are a lot of signs that he's ready now how much – Um, more is he learning in the American Hockey League is a fair question. It's all about opportunity and finding spots. And, you know, that's a tougher one for me to answer, Wes. You'd probably have a better feel for where the organization is at. Like, you know, like, I think as long as you're chasing a playoff spot and you're doing it with Vesna-caliber goaltending from Markstrom and, as I said, top 15 adjusted goaltending from Bladar over the last few months, it becomes much harder to sort of give him an opportunity to learn on the job. And yet and I've talked to goalie coaches around the league about this, increasingly the NHL is becoming a development league for goalies, something I never thought I'd say, even five, six years ago. Um, We started with forwards who had all this skill, getting opportunities to learn on the job in the NHL because they had the upside offensively. and You could teach them the defensive game. But everybody always said, like, hey, it's not a development league for goalies. It's not, and it is now. Like, there are teams with guys up and relying on guys up who in other years, I guarantee, and they've told me, would be in the American Hockey League. And so it becomes a tough balance. When do you find that opportunity for Dustin Wolf? And it may simply be a matter of, you know, closer to the deadline if opportunities arise to move somebody. And if you're no longer in this race, you have to wait for that. Um, But they got to find it at some point, uh, because if you do have any questions about what it looks like at the next level, you, you kind of need to get that answer sooner rather than later, don't you? And I, I believe they believe, I know they believe, that the answers will all come out in the affirmative. But there might be some growing pains in the meantime. And, and finding spots where you can live with the growing pains, especially when you're chasing, that's tough. That's really tough. But a little, more and more, teams are, teams are having to, in some cases, sort of live with the development path and the NHL being a part of it for young goaltenders.
3: It's such an interesting point you raise. Like, what I know, there was talk for years and years. Well, if you if you bring a young goalie up too soon, it's gonna spoil them. If it doesn't go, you know, if it doesn't go well, then then you've spoiled your best goaltending prospect. What do you what do you make of that shift to the NHL being more? I, I guess being more open to develop goalies on the fly.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it is just necessity right yeah. for some teams um you know like we're seeing like wait, look at like goaltending's never been better I, like i can honestly say that like and people like if we see save percentage go down every year um you know we're probably at the, at the current rate that it's dropping will be 900 or sub 900 but be league average within a year or so it's, it's headed that way now and yet i confidently say that i just think the environment has gotten tougher like Joey DeCord term- told me earlier this year. Actually, Jacob Markstrom told me earlier this year. Both of them sort of working on a column for NHL.com about, you know, the game really has never been tougher in terms of what they face offensively, the amount of talent and skill, you know, the loss of the defensive defenseman in the league that can box out and hammer guys in front, and all the things that used to make goalies' lives easier are now harder. And teams know how to create offense and lateral passes, and it's all about moving goalies east, west, and all those things. So um, we've lost a huge generation of like, like I'm, I'm in my office, I'm looking at the wall behind me and it's price Lundquist and Luongo jerseys from the Olympics. Right. Right. Like all gone, like all guys that started 70 games. So when you lose an, like the game's never been harder, you're losing guys that used to be some of the rare ones that ate 70 starts a year, right? Like that lost generation or that last generation, sorry, of guys that were true workhorses. You have to find opportunities. We've got expansion, two new teams in Vegas and Seattle in the last half decade or a little longer than that. Um, There's just more spots than there are guys with experience to fill it. And I think like players, too, as some of the guys get older and maybe they're not as used to this dynamic offensive attack as a younger player who grew up with this skill is. More and more teams might also be willing to say, hey, like the upside, like experience matters. But the upside of this young guy and giving him an opportunity to learn matters more to us than just trying to plug the hole with a 34-year-old for another season in the backup job. And so that combination of sort of scarcity and just the necessity of giving these guys opportunities in some spots, um, you know, whether – and hey, listen, like, 16 teams make the playoffs out of 32 – And as much as the races remain tight for a lot of these teams, there's also a reality check about where they are in terms of contending status. And maybe Mm -hmm. for some of them, even the ones that won't admit it publicly, you know, a willingness to go through some of the growing pains with some of these young guys, um, knowing that they'll be better for it when the team gets back into a more competitive phase, even if they're hanging around a playoff race a deeper understanding that they're not actually contenders and, hey, we need to get this guy 25 games this year in the NHL rather than the AHL because we'll be better for it one, two, three years from now.
0: We're chatting with Kevin Woodley from NHL.com, In Goal Magazine, talking goaltenders with Kevin on a Thursday here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, just a, a, a quick uh, quick divergence from the Flames, and, and I, I, I would be remiss not to ask you about what we're seeing from Stuart Skinner in Edmonton. Um, it's and, and I know that it's not the favorite topic for people down here, but as that team is on a historic run with wins in, what, 22 of 25, Skinner's been a... A, a massive reason why after a dreadful start to the campaign what uh what's changed with Stuart skinner's game
4: okay so first off Stuart skinner deserves a ton of credit especially as a second year starter in a market where um the focus was shining so brightly on goaltending um for the way he sort of handled this and You know, again, I've paid closer attention to them um, because I've always had weekly hits in Edmonton and and sort of you're kind of keeping an eye on it. You you talk about a growth mindset, even in the toughest moments when things were not going well. You know, he always was looking to sort of find opportunities to get better. And it's really easy to pay lip service to that. But knowing Stuart a little little bit, dating back to some uh, national team junior camps and things like that, where I worked as a video coach. And like it's sincere. It's genuine. He comes by it some ways naturally, some ways working with mental skills coach over the years to sort of always embrace that and to sort of have that mindset when the spotlight is shining that brightly and that negatively on you, especially at that stage of your career, a guy who you know already had the spotlight of the playoffs in his first year as a starter, his first full season in the NHL behind a team with cup aspirations last year, Like there's a lot of signs. We never get to see, get to see what happens between the pipes. You'll hear me say this a lot in the coming months. But we never get to see what's between the ears. We get signs along the way. And there are a lot of positive signs about the mental game and approach of Stuart Skinner that we've seen over the past year and a half. If you want to know what's changed, as much as he's gotten better and settled his game down behind them, it's the environment. Under Woodcroft, before they fired or made the change of coaching, they were 32nd in the National Hockey League in high danger chances against off the rush. Dead last hmm. since the coaching change and actually I I, I I look at it about a week after the coaching change because they made the change they were headed on the road and they kind of stunk for another week on an eastern swing where they were still just bleeding odd man rushes off the rush like a ton since then sort of give them give them a week to settle down do the math again number one in the national hockey league and rush changes against high wow. da- high danger From 32nd to 1st. And I do believe goaltending can bail you out when you're in the 20s, 21, 22, 23, to an extent. But that drop-off, and we learned this lesson here in Vancouver over the last couple of years, from 21, 22 to the bottom three, when you're in the 30s, there's only so much goaltending can do, and it usually can't do it for very long. It's almost like instead of 10 spots, It's exponential. And so I heard a lot of talk early in the season in in Edmonton about, yeah, the team's bad defensively right now, but could you imagine where the Edmonton Oilers would be if they had Thatcher Demko? Because Demko was on an absolute heater for the first six weeks. Historically great numbers. Could you imagine if the Oilers had Demko? I'm like, yeah, I can imagine it. I watched it in Vancouver last year when the Canucks defended like that. And guess what? It wasn't enough. He couldn't fix it. He couldn't bail them out. I just think that environment got so bad, and it's not about defensemen and it's actually not about the defensive zone changes. It's more about changes they made in the neutral zone and guys turning the puck over in bad spots, making selfish plays, leading to odd-man rushes against it. You just cannot survive like that. And so yeah. Skinner deserves a ton of credit, but that environment was not manageable for any goalie. And here's the question moving forward. Jack Campbell never got to play behind the new environment. Still hasn't. Still in the American Hockey League. So lots of decisions to come there for the Oilers. Um, because I'd be curious to see what Campbell would look like now that they, they're they playing like the team they were last year defensively and, frankly, even better.
0: Yeah. Hey, Kevin, great stuff. As always, uh, we didn't touch on a, a bunch of things we wanted to, so we can uh, push some of it for next week, and uh, I'm sure there'll be lots more to touch on next week as well. It's good to have you on board every week. Hey, this will be awesome. Really looking forward to it, and thanks for doing this today.
4: Yeah, my pleasure. I, did I mention I had a couple Red Bulls in the car when I was stuck in traffic? I apologize, guys. <laughs> the, 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 the hamsters were spinning in my head, and the mouth was going like I, was just, I couldn't stop. I promise to be more concise next week, and we'll hit more of the topics.
0: No, that was uh, that, that was not a complaint. That was, uh, that was outstanding stuff, man. Uh, we really appreciate maybe do three Red Bulls next week.
4: Well, I mean, there's the heart palpitation problem that comes with that, but I'll, I'll, I'll consider it.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next week.
4: All the best, guys. Have a great week.
0: Kevin Woodley from InGoal Magazine, NHL.com, joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary, top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you, only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Uh, Enjoy the game. Enjoy Oliver Shillington's return, Mr. Gilbertson.
3: I'm pumped up. It's going to be fun in here tonight.
0: It should should be awesome. Good on him. Oliver Shillington returns Thursday night. So does Johnny Gaudreau on the other side. As we start to wrap up, up this hour, uh, thanks to Cam and Shan back at Sportsnet 960 World Control. This hour has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.